Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Chef's Story. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton at the International Culinary Center. And today I have a very hot chef with me. And not just hot, a hot chef. It is almost impossible to get into his shop. I have Dominique Ansel, who created the Cronut. And Dominique, welcome. Thank you, Dorothy. I can't believe Thank you're you for here. having me here. I can't believe you're here. And guess what? He brought a cronut. I'm so lucky. Just, just one, that. though. Just, just one. But it isn't like this cronut last in May, like, took the world by storm. Yeah, it was about uh, two months ago now. Two months like, ago. Well, weeks. we're, we're going to end the program talking about the cronut. But I just want to tell um, our listeners that uh, Dominique, it should be no surprise that Dominique made such an incredible uh, cronut because in 2012 he was named by Dessert Professional Magazine as one of the top 10 pastry chefs in the United States. In Time Out New York in 2010, top 10 pastry chefs you need to know. Um, He was a finalist for the Outstanding Pastry Chef this year, 2013, by the James Beard Foundation. Um, and then the Dominique Ansel Bakery, which is in his name, was cons- uh, was named the best new bakery in 2012 by Time Out New York. And Metro Mix also called it the best bakery in 2012. And this was even before he created the Cronut. So, Dominique, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank it's you. It's very Thank exciting very to have you here. Very sweet. So, you were born in Paris. You're a real Parisian. I was born very close to Paris, about like an hour and a half. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. So it's, it's like in, in a small town. Yeah, a small okay. town, very close to Paris, north what, of Paris. What's the name of the it's town? It's called Beauvais. Beauvais. Yeah. And There's a small airport there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so, tell me, from the time you were little, were you into cooking? Or? So, when I was little, I actually loved to cook with my dad in the kitchen, not with my mom, which is like pretty unusual. Uh, my dad was spent a lot of time cooking, and he, he was passionate about it. He was not a chef, but he loved like opening cooking books and and start looking at recipes and going to market and like buying those like beautiful like fish and and meat and try try to make something nice. So what were some was of his like, good dishes that you? Were oh, trying? I remember he was doing this uh, rabbit with red wine mm. and salsify. That was really really delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Something was, an American young kid would never have yeah, here. This is so. His frick. cookie was pretty well though. He, he, he's making an amazing uh, couscous. Oh really? Yeah, yeah like he's making his own. Uh, uh, with chicken? Yeah, with with, uh, with chicken and like carrots, celery. Mm-hmm. And his own like a uh, mix of spices. Mm. It's pretty good. It's yeah. very random, but it's pretty good. And what did your mother? Did your mother cook at all? My mom cooked, but she was not. She didn't like it very much. And when she was cooking, it actually was not <laughs> really good. <laughs> Believe me or not. So, so how sp- often would your father cook? Would he cook? My it? father would cook like four or five times a week. 
I, I will always stay around and help like peel carrots and potatoes and and like helping like clean dishes and really yeah. so do you have siblings if brothers have, and sisters I have uh, two sisters and one brother and did they like to cook too not at all they were never in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> so then as you were going through school I mean yes. did you dream of being a chef or? I was not dreaming about it I, I, I really liked it but I didn't know what it was uh, what it was like mm -hmm. so when I was 16 I uh, had to decide either going going to uh, high school mm -hmm. or to go to um, to go start a job and learn something mm -hmm. and I uh, I decided on like starting my career I was 16 and I started working in a restaurant in a small restaurant where, where, where I was from and it was a, a really good like fine dining small restaurants mm -hmm. who were only uh, six to eight employees mm -hmm. and there I started washing dishes sweeping the floor and then um, doing like appetizers and desserts and eventually I move on to the hotline very quickly after about like six months to eight months they put me on the hotline and I was cooking with a chef and after so they saw a I was, six, you, I was huh? 16 I was wow. really really young and after a year I was managing the hotline no. with the chef. I was I, I was replacing the sous chef that was gone at the time. Whoa! And it was really really challenging for me and a lot of pressure. There was a tiny kitchen. We had we had no AC. Uh, we had a small grill where we were grilling all the meat. I was in charge of the, the meat and the fish. And uh, my boss was doing all all the garnish and plating everything with me. So there was pretty busy restaurant and we were was the it two a good, of us was it uh, was a good training was he a good chef did he teach he, you good habits well my first boss was actually a, a school teacher and I I didn't have the best experience but wait he was a school teacher cooking he was a school teacher that learned everything by himself and he opened a restaurant that was very successful oh and that that's that was my first boss I stayed in the same restaurant for two years and after a year he sold the restaurant I had a new boss which was a very high-trained uh, professional chef. He worked in uh, Lasser in Paris, oh, which is a two, yeah. two Michelin style. Mm. And he really showed me, like, opened my eyes and opened my mind to what cooking was. This is where really, like, I fell in love. I started learning about, like, how to butcher um, a lamb, like a whole lamb, how to, like, make foie gras, how to make uh, all the venison during the, the, the winter. It really, like took me and showed me what cooking was about. So were you the sous chef at this time? I was, my title was not a sous chef, I was apprentice. But I was, <laughs> I had, were running. I, I was running the kitchen <laughs> like the sous chef was, exactly. So that was, that was very, a very unique experience and very challenging for a young kid of my age. I was, I was 17. Did he demote you? Did he bring someone in over you to run the kitchen? No, then? I was running the kitchen until I left. And then he hired somebody else. Okay, so but then you were running, you were working under him. What was the difference between someone who's not such a professional chef and a two-star Michelin chef? What are some of the things that the difference were different? is huge? Um, Try to explain that to the people that it's, are listening. It's all about like your heart and 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 what you give. It's about seeing someone that is like professionally trained and knows all the steps to guide you through a training and to really give you. The passion and it, it, it taught me how to love my job. Really? It, it really like taught me how to uh, not to just to like what I was doing, but to love it. How do you do, how do you teach somebody that? I don't know. I think it, it takes a lot of uh, personal effort, 
really to uh, explain everything to like take the time to to show what cooking is about about respecting the product about how to transform something and make it very tasty how to uh, pair things together to make it very like unique and special all the things like it's day after day work it's every minute of your day it's every hours of your day you really learn and you move forward and get stronger and get faster at cooking and understanding the food understanding what people like seasoning it is a uh, it is really like passionating to me and it was it was really like a big jump in my career where I was like wow now after a year of like really like intense like difficult time after a year I start liking and even more than liking like really loving what I was doing so what did you do after that <clears throat> so after this I um, when I was at the restaurant I was doing the pastries appetizers the hotline I was doing a bit of everything I was still washing the dishes sweeping the floor <laughs> no yes of course because there were only six or because we only had one dishwasher and it was the washing all the dishes for, for the restaurant all the china and silverware right so I was working at the time 16 to 18 hours a day every single day but Sunday so did you expect that at 16 was that no normal? not at all but I left uh, I left school and I told my parents I wanted to, to start a job and in my mind there was no room for failure there was no room for like giving up and I, I, I took it very seriously and I, I took all the pain and all the hard work and all, all the good things as well all the love and, and, and passion and good time you know when you're like done you finish your service you like serve like hundreds of people were you a very disciplined <coughs> young boy? I was I was I was pretty disciplined and uh, I was very respectful of authority mm-hmm. and uh, always I had my, my vision my, my way of thinking that was a little bit different than anybody else really? but I was always listening and doing what people were asking me to do so after after the two star um, or after this after the after the restaurant yes. I uh, decided on uh, starting uh, going to uh, starting to learn how to bake so that was the next step for me at the restaurant I was doing a lot of like small desserts like I remember this walnut cake we were doing this like very simple walnut cake we, we had like a walnut spread from uh, Ardèche in France it's a region south um, Southeast, they specialize in like walnut and, and chestnut, and they had have the best product. So we had this bread, and we were doing this chestnut cake that was very light and very fluffy. It was very simple with a with creme anglaise on the side, but it was so tasty. I actually tried to reproduce this this pastry, and I could not. And still now, I'm like trying to figure out. I have the recipe, but if you don't have the right ingredients, it, it doesn't. It just work. doesn't work. Yeah. If you have, if you don't have the, the special like walnut spread that's from there it's a total like different recipe so I, I started like learning about pastry at, at the restaurant and I, I could see I could feel the scientific aspect and it was like you have room for um, for creating new things with pastry you have to be very precise very disciplined and I love this part of like cooking which was like baking at the time very organized yeah very organized very clean detail oriented you measure everything you scale everything you take temperature for everything there's no no cheating if it doesn't work there's a reason why and it's scientific reason 
So I, after the restaurant, I decided to uh, to work in a bakery for a year to do another a appren- apprenticeship. Or, or yeah, boulangerie. like both. They were doing boulangerie, yeah. patisserie. They're doing bread, their own bread, and uh, their own patisserie. They they were specialized in uh, brioche, oh. and they were uh, known for having uh, warm brioche all the time. It was called my brioche should. It's oh. like my yeah. warm brioche. Yes. Yeah. So every time you were coming and getting a brioche from there, it was hot from the oven. Mm. And this is something I always remember and I will always remember that people were so happy and so excited just to hold a hot brioche mm. and going back home with it. Mm. So I stayed there for a year mm-hmm. and uh, that was a beautiful year. I, my, I, I had Where to, was it? In the it same was, town? In the same town, Beauvais. Uh, my boss and his wife were running the, the business and his son and daughter-in-law were also in the kitchen in front of the house. So I had like two bus- four buses at the bakery, but they were very, very lovely and, and very sweet and they taught me a lot there as well. Mm. And then... And then after that, I went to... Uh, I was 19, I went to, my, to do my military service. So in France, you have to do military. At my age, yes, I was one of the last year where it was uh, mandatory. mandatory. I see. So I decided to uh, to go there and do do something special, do something unique, because you know this is what I love, like not being like everyone. And uh, ask them, well, I know there's like a military bases like all over the world. Can I go to one of them? And they were like, you know what? It's it's very difficult. Like it's not for everybody, and you have to pass a bunch of tests before which I did, I went to, uh, they call you for three days and you do all those military tests, like a reading test, a physical test, and then they, um, they give you uh, a destination or like an affiliation to a special, specific military camp. So I went there and after like giving the results of my test, they asked me if I want to, do, uh, to be in a special force. Oh, the special <laughs> forces? Really? Yeah, and I was oh, like... Oh, you must have been good. I, I'm not sure if it was good or like a little bit different than other people, but it took me like two seconds to answer and I was like, no. Oh, you didn't want to do <laughs> no, it? No, I didn't want to do it. I know like how uh, like, like tough it is and, and special it is. And I really, really want to do uh, to go to a different country mm-hmm. and see something else, uh, mm-hmm. learn about different culture. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to uh, to go to French Guiana, which is oh. in South America, mm-hmm. just next to uh, Brazil. Uh-huh. I stayed there for a year, and there I was. Guess where I was? I was in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Did they know your background? And they, 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 they know your background, and it's actually a special um, uh, special mission that they give you. I was there to teach people how to cook in a professional kitchen in order for them to get a job after uh, uh, after the military service. So the people there that I was working with were, were locals. Oh. And they were also French because it was a French territory, but they were coming to military service to oh. learn how to how to cook. And I was teaching them how uh-huh. to cook there. So you were a teacher, right? Well. So I, I, I was a young teacher. Here <laughs> Yeah, this is, that I, would be I great. I came here already yeah, a few yeah, times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, to do the demos. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. know you have. You've been very uh, good supporter. So, so then uh, was that two years that you had? As that was a year. A year in military mm. service. Then, then after that, I, I came back to France, and for my three years where I was apprentice, where I was making like two hundred dollars uh, a month, two three hundred dollars a month, I had savings for three years. I had about like. Two thousand. Uh, what you really saved? Yeah, I had a plan. I had a plan that I will go be apprentice and then I'll go to my military service because I had no choice. And then I'll I'll come back and work in Paris. 
that was my that was my mission and that where, was my goal and where did you want to work in Paris I had no idea so I came back to France you I had my you wanted to work in patisserie I wanted to work in patisserie in, in Paris so I had my two thousand dollar savings and I bought a car okay I, now we're gonna stop right there because you're going to Paris and we're gonna take a break and uh, we're gonna let the station tell everybody what they're listening to all right Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Chef Story, and I'm Dorothy Can Hamilton. And today, my guest is Dominique Ansel, the famous creator of the Krona, and his very well-regarded top bakeries, the Dominique Ansel tiny, tiny bakery. That's impossible <laughs> to to buy anything. Those lines are so long, and we're inching our way to that story. But right now, we're in the story with Dominique uh, when he's going to Paris after he finished his military service. And you're around 20 years old at this I time? I was around 20 years old. I, I had all my savings for from when I was apprentice. I had $2,000. So I bought a car and decided just to go to Paris, drive there, not knowing where I was going, not knowing anyone, but I knew it was there. I knew it was something there for me. So I printed out a bunch of resume. I drove around without like even a map and I drop off resumes in bakeries <laughs> and just after a day like four or five people contacted me and like you, do you want a job are you free now I got a job for you wow so I took a job in a small uh, small uh, boulangerie patisserie in, uh, in the 17th mm-hmm. I stayed there for four months <clears throat> and then I decided to move on and look what was around look what was better for me and I found this pastry pastry shop that was called Peltier it was it was at the time one of the oldest, one of the best patisserie in, in Paris. They were not doing any bread, but just pure patisserie. And uh, people really loved it. I worked there for a year. And then after this year, I, uh, I still wanted to challenge myself. I found like another job, something more challenging, something better, stronger for me. And I found Fauchon. Mm. Fauchon, Place de la Madeleine, it's one of the highest, like high-end bakeries in the world in in the world and in, especially in Paris so I went there once again it was in 1999 I went there with my resume I dropped off a resume with the manager and I was like can I see the chef I'm looking for a job and she was like yeah let me see if he's here and he saw my resume after five minutes he asked me to come downstairs that was my interview, interview. and he was like when are you free I was like anytime you want it was like okay, you start ne- like you start next week. Well, so, so what what was it like in the kitchen at Fauchon? How different was it from the other? So places? when I started at Fauchon, I was uh, one of the of the ten people that were hired just for holiday season. So from September to December, Fauchon was hiring like ten more people just to uh, to answer the demand of the high volume. All people want pastry for the holidays. I was one of them. And after uh, after just a week, they called all of us, the 10 of us, and they told us they would keep three people. And after two months, they called all of us and told us they would keep one of us only. And guess who? Guess who it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was really, really uh, 
challenge and, and I really want to be the best. I was working very fast, very clean, very organized. And my chef called me after, like towards the end of my four months and he was like, well, I have good news for you. I talked with the sous chefs, the three sous chefs, and we all like you and we would like to offer you a job with us. And my answer was like, okay, it sounds good. Let me think about it. And at the time, I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay. I wasn't sure like if I wanted to see something else. And then my, my chef looked at me and was like, really? You're going to think about it? You know how many people would like die to, to stay here? I was like, I'm sorry, chef. Like, I'll give you an answer tomorrow. And I just want to make sure I make the right decision for myself. And I came back. I was like, I want this job. I want to be here. And I'm going to show you I'm the best. And he offered me the job. And I stayed for uh, eight years. And just after, I was 21 at the time. And just after uh, six months of me being there, one of the chefs de party uh, left and he asked me to take over. I was still pretty young and I had uh, six people under me. You, you know what, they keep, they keep making you a manager. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the cream rises to the top, that's what you say. Yeah. That's so what made you leave Fauchon after eight years? So eight years, you know, I was chef de party, then a sous chef. Uh, we moved from one location to uh, expanding to have 12 locations and then we came back to one shop. I was a corporate pastry chef. I was in charge of developing shops around the world. I opened in different countries, trained a lot of people. And then I was like 28 and I thought to myself that the world is big. The world is like really like beautiful. There's so many things to learn. And I want to have an experience in a different country. I started looking around, looking on the internet and see seeing like website where people will hire like chefs in different countries. And I was really attracted by the States, by especially by New York. I, I came here like long, long time ago and I fell in love with, with New York like, right away. As soon as I, I got to the city and I started walking around, I felt so comfortable and I felt like it was a city for me, you know? It's an international city. It, it is. really is. It is. And it makes like a big difference for me to be in New York than any other cities, you know? So I, I, I came here, um, I, look, I look around and I saw that Daniel was looking for a pastry chef. So I contacted a friend of mine uh, who was the pastry chef at Le Bernardin at the time, Florian Belanger. Yes. And Florian, I called Florian, I was like, hey, do you know, do you know Daniel? Like, is it, is it a good place? He was like, yeah, it's, it's amazing, but it's very, very challenging. You know, it's, it's very difficult kitchen to work, it, to work at. And uh, Daniel has very high expectation. I was like, okay, I can, I can do it. Like, I won't do it. And he was like, okay, are you sure? Like, I can call him and ask him if he, if he would like to, uh, to meet you. And Florian called Daniel, and Daniel called me right away. Uh, we chat for like maybe 15, 20 minutes over the phone. And then once we hung up the phone, her, uh, his uh, HR director called me. She had booked a flight for me, a hotel, and they were waiting for me to come to do the testing. Wow, they flew was, you over that for was the pretty, tasting? Yeah, that was pretty quick. I flew over for uh, a few days. I did a testing with Daniel. Daniel loved it. And eight weeks later, I was in New York with my two suitcases. And as the executive pastry chef? I was ex executive pastry chef at Daniel. Whoa. I was 28 and I had um, about 10 people at the time in the kitchen. So what was the kitchen like in America? I mean, Danielle is French, and he, we all think he runs a very French kitchen. 
but how different was it Actually, from running a kitchen in Paris? I would say yes and no. Like kitchen in Paris, everything is uh, everything is like kind of like military based. It's uh, very like structure on the way that there's a chef and then a sous chef, and then you don't see the chef much in the kitchen. The sous chef like handles everything, and you have like many sous chefs and then chef de party. It's very like like structured. Uh, here, even if it was a French kitchen at Daniel, what I love is that like, everyone was cooking, everyone was working harder, everyone was pushing each other to be the best, to make something different. And I remember like coming to New York and seeing Daniel in the kitchen like cooking with a buddy and all the corporate chefs like working very hard. I was like, wow, this is no joke. Yeah. <laughs> like people are in the kitchen, they work hard and then they do the office job, you know? Mm-hmm. People like constantly push themselves to create something new, mm-hmm. to um to organize better the kitchen, to service customers. And I, I loved it right away. I felt like super comfortable right away. So uh, for Sean, were you creating desserts there? Yeah, with a chef I was creating desserts. I was um, mostly in charge of opening shops around the world. So I was taking the whole pastry collection mm-hmm. from Paris and reproducing it in different countries. Oh, so you got to travel around the I got world. to travel, yeah. I went to Kuwait, I went to Moscow, um, and uh, I went like to like a few different, different countries. I, I was also training the chefs in Paris, so twice a year. I was uh, teaching again. I was teaching again, exactly. Teaching, creating. <laughs> that's that's the sto- that's the story top. of my life. Yeah, pushing to the top. That's a, that's a, it's incredible. Yeah, it's so who you are. Yeah, I mean, it's twice a year, I was organizing like uh, big conferences with uh, all the chefs, and I was showing them all the new items and all the new uh, pastries and packaging and new product to order. Mm. And it was like very challenging for me at the time because my English was not that good and everyone was from animals, people from Japan, from Qatar, from Did you miss the, the actual cooking? Mm-hmm. I, I started missing it because I was less and less in the kitchen. Yes. I started feeling, I had this feeling in my body where I was like, oh, I need something else. Right. I'm missing something and right. it's really like touching the food and like finishing like beautiful pastries and you know working working with your hands right. it's it's very like it's a it's a special like feeling a tactile it's tactile exactly like, yeah your soul is in your fingers mm-hmm. you know and yeah. touching so so when you were at Danielle um, how creative did you get with the pastries do you think you it, being an American made you freer to do things with the, the desserts I think that working for Danielle and being in New York gave me a lot of like freedom for me to explore myself and uh, come up with like a range of like pastries that, that could be like inspired from anything or from anywhere. I was using like a lot of different ingredients, techniques. I was free with that. the design, the, the design of the menu, design of the pastries and Daniel trusted me. Daniel knew that I had good taste and he loved the desserts I was doing and uh, people love it too and I was very I was very free I was I was like growing as a chef and dishes after dishes I was getting better and thinner and cleaner and faster like learning how to make a good dish it's not really easy uh, especially when when you walk in a, in a high pressure kitchen like this when you have to constantly change dishes mm-hmm. and constantly train your staff and how to make them and also teach the front of the house people how to sell it, how to 
explain which which dish it is and what's the idea, what's the inspiration behind it. Mm-hmm. So working in the kitchen at Daniel gave me a lot of freedom, open, totally opened my mind and and my heart to what I, I could do. And I, I would always challenge myself to do something more, something else. You have, you have. <laughs> so then, um, well, actually, we're going to take a little break here uh, because I want to get into the cronut. And, and I want to get into, you know, it's a big, it, it takes a lot of courage to leave a structured, successful job and go off and start your own business. That's so true. It, this whole entrepreneurial thing is is intriguing to me. So the next part of our interview is going to be a little more in-depth. So we're going to cut off a little early here and we'll be right back. Chef's Story, and I'm Dorothy Can Hamilton. We're sitting here in Soho, New York City, at the International Culinary Center, and I'm speaking with one of the most feted um, pastry chefs in in New York, if not the whole United States, if not the whole world, Dominique Ancel, um, who worked at Fauchon, and then Danielle here in the city, and has his eponymous bakery called Dominique Ancel Bakery. Um, Welcome, your neighbor, because you're. Thank you. Shop I'm just a few blocks away. Just a few blocks away, so it was uh, easy for you to come down. So, how did you decide to leave Danielle, and how did you decide to open your own place? Well, opening a bakery for me was um, a dream. I was when I was a kid, I really wanted to open my business, and I I love having like working in a bakery, bakery environment, and. Uh, I always like told myself that someday I will do something for myself and something special. Uh, working for Daniel was an amazing experience. He's a great man. He's a great mentor, and always like pushed me to do a little bit more. Always pushed me and challenged me to be different. Uh, opened my eyes to like what uh, New Yorkers are like, what uh, Americans like to eat because it's different, and. Um, Taking the step of leaving Daniel is not an easy one. When you're with someone strong like this, you can only like feel strong and you feel great about yourself, about very, very proud about where you work, who you work for. And, and not for you, they got the three Michelin stars. That's right, yeah, that right. was that was I mean, big that, accomplishment. That for you to get three Michelin That was stars. huge, huge victory. Yes. In like in a chef's life, that's uh, the biggest you can dream of, yes. having the two Michelin stars. Yes. And when you're part of it, yes. even if I was just a pastry chef there, being a part of it. But just the pastry chef. <laughs> I mean, that is part of the three stars. If the pastry yeah, was not three stars, true. they would not get three stars. That's true. But uh, Daniel was uh, was always like very uh, very kind, like very close to to his chefs, and um, very like family family oriented. Like if anything would happen, Daniel would like talk to us and really like look at all the dishes that were coming out from the kitchen you know it's I think it's the whole team yes the whole team effort and and we want it and 
it's something big in a in a in a chef's career and being a part of it is something amazing. So now you're leaving the three stars that you earned. How did how did how could you take that? You know what was what propelled you to take that? It's uh, it's a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure on myself. I was living to start this business on my own, and um, not having Daniel on my side, not having the corporate world, not having something strong that already exists. It's it's a lot of pressure. So then you start dealing with all the HR, all the legal stuff, all the business, the business aspect of a bakery, of the production of like hiring, training the staff front of the house, about like fixing everything. Uh, I don't know how many times I fixed the bathroom at the bakery, but right. you know, like. It brings you back to the days when you were cleaning. Exactly, it brings you back when, you, when you're like a kid and you're yes. 16 and you, you, have to do you have to do everything yourself. Right. So tell me, how long had you been conceiving it? What was the, you know, you had in your mind exactly what you wanted to do when you opened it. Where did you get the money from? Who, do you have partners? How did, how did you conceive it? So, um, while I was at Daniel, I was I was looking for like about like a few months, and I, I found this uh, this opportunity. I had a designer and uh, and someone I was doing my construction, and we had a meeting somewhere to see a space uh, close to Union Square, and the place was not really good. And my uh, designer had his office in in Soho actually, and on his way back, he took the subway and he saw a space that that could work for me. And he called me up. He was like, "Hey, maybe we should look at this. It's interesting." So in the beginning, I was like, "Yeah, you know, like Soho, like." I don't know if it's the right place for me. Um, I don't know if it's like the right target for me, but I all, I can consider it. I can see it. So I went to see the space and um, had the little garden in the back. I could like build a small kitchen, an open kitchen, and I fell in love with the space. So I signed on on the lease, and then I I told Daniel that I, I would be leaving, and this is how I started it. Oh. And it was a year a year and a half ago. Yeah. So had you saved money? To do yeah, this? I had saved money for a long time, and um, my girlfriend partner like helped me out as well. Yeah. And so, did you know what you wanted to? The, did you know what you wanted the bakery to look like? What you were going to actually sell? Did you have it all planned out for years? I've been thinking about it for like many, many years, yeah, and yeah. to me, it was like somewhere where you can have some beautiful pastries. Uh, somewhere where you could sit down without having a waiter, just enjoy pastry, go sit down. Somewhere where it was not too French, uh, just like relaxed atmosphere with nice music, beautiful pastries. You grab your coffee, you go have a seat. You, you can stay as long as you want, and then you can just leave. You know. How many uh, square feet is the bakery? We have two thousand five hundred. That's quite big. Actually. It's it's quite big. Yeah, yeah we have a, a big garden in the back. Yeah. Uh, we have the greenhouse. With, uh, with the AC inside so people can sit summer or winter. And how big is the kitchen? The kitchen is actually really, really small. It's uh, half of the size of the office. <laughs> so I would say that would be about 10 feet by... Maybe... 20, maybe 15, 10 by 15. Yeah, something like this. So yeah. we have one table, only one table, one and table on the table we have the dough sheeter, a small dough sheeter. Oh my God, and how we, many burners do you have? Uh, we, we have induction and only two burners. Two burners. Yeah. And what comes out of there every day? Everything comes out of there. We do our own ice cream and sorbet. We do 
um, all of, of Yenazri, everything is been in house. But how many pieces do you make a day? It's hard to tell. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably thousands. Thousands. We do like all of our fresh, fresh baked items, cookies, cannoli, uh, pastries. We also do. We have a small selection of sandwiches, soup, salad. So it's it's pretty. It's a large selection for a very small space. How many people working in that little kitchen? Um, now it's about eight people. Eight people. Mm. So we have like three shifts now. Three so, goes, so midnight to eight, you're baking. baking exactly. Baking, right. Mm. Wow. And and um, and so you you have one person working in the room and one cleaner. Or are you still? What, what, yeah, actually, inside <laughs> the kitchen we have the dishwasher area. In that <laughs> in oh that my small gosh. kitchen. So you know, it's, it's exactly what I was saying earlier. It's like being apprentice again. Yes. You have to work in very tight space. Right. But you know what? It, sometimes better than to work in bigger kitchen because everything is there. You don't have to run anywhere. You have to like look for things for, for hours. Like everything is here. So if it's not here, it's missing. That's what I always say about a New York kitchen, which is so small. You stand in one place and you can touch everything. You exactly, know? you can you touch can the four corners almost. That's right. So tell me, what was the first week like when you opened? Oh was it God. a disaster or was it a dream for you? The first week was, was a dream. And it was very, very stressful and very, uh, very intense. But it was a beautiful week. Um, was it successful from day one? It was successful from day one. We were uh, only six at the bakery, six people. I remember peeling off the paper from the window, yeah. removing the paper and seeing people outside. And I was so nervous. <laughs> I, was, I was so excited. <laughs> and our first customer was uh, actually, his name is Mike. Yeah. He, gave me, he signed a draw bill for me. And he oh. comes back all the time to buy like tons of pastry. He's oh. very, very sweet. Oh. And he's been supportive since day one. Is he was he a our neighbor? Yes, yeah. he is. Oh, that's and he great. was our first, really okay. first customer. Oh, that's fantastic. And so, um, so what did, what, what patisserie, Benoiserie, did you start with? And how did, did you get the formula right on exactly what you should be selling or have you had to change what you're selling and how did you come up with some of these creations? So in the beginning I, I, I thought I would do some, some stuff that I liked uh, like the Quignaman, we call it the DKA, it stands for Dominique's Quignaman it's like this flaky caramelized croissant it's like slightly gooey in the center, very very flaky and it has nice crisp like shell, caramelized right. shell on the outside I used to do it at Daniel for manager meeting and oh. people like loved, loved it. They were crazy about it. And I was like, this is good. This is what I was doing in Paris, like something similar. I changed the recipe a little bit. You guys try it. I brought it to the meeting and people were like so crazy I enough just, for I, it. I just bit into one and I would say it is like a palmier or maybe Americans know it as elephant ear. Yeah. You know, that's the crispiness on the outside. But the inside has a, a little more, not cakey, I would say, you know, when you have a very good flaky pie crust that has a bit of, uh, you know, uh, meat to it, like mm. structure to it, um, it, it's got that nice, and the butteriness, and the caramelization, and the, the stickiness to it, it's like, it's, it's, it's a dream. So, the, the Kunyaman was something like very unique, like New Yorkers didn't know Kunyaman, and we introduced it to, um, to the, to the, at the bakery, and people really loved it. Mm. We've been selling out since day one, and it's been a year and a half, and every single day we sell out of Kunyaman. People love it. Um, it's been named like one of the best dishes 
it's uh it's something mm. very special to me it's, it's in my heart and i have one every morning yeah well you're just so thin <laughs> if i had oh my gosh i could i um I, I don't think I could work there. I, you know, I'm pretty good at the school here, mm -hmm. watching what I eat, but not this. Not today. Uh, er, <laughs> not today. No, I'm, I'm munching along with, with a bunch of stuff here. Um, so tell me, how, how many creations have you? How many pastry creations have you created um, for the bakery? It's hard to count now. It's only been a year and a half. Yeah. But like every every four to six weeks, we change the menu and we incorporate new dishes. Every holidays, we do uh, new signature items just for the holidays. So do you, do you sit and think about, oh my gosh, let me try this? And because you, most pastry shops you go to have pretty much standard Yeah, everyone has standards. You know, so the way, the way I run the bakery is very unique and special. We run more like, almost like a restaurant, mm -hmm. where we change the menu very often. Uh, we do a lot of fresh baked items. Like we have all our miniature uh, madeleines, we bake them mm -hmm. fresh to order. Mm -hmm. We have uh, cookies that comes out of the oven every 30 minutes. Okay. The decay, we bake like six to eight batches every day. So there's constantly something hot coming out from the oven. I, I had this like memory of being a child and going to the bakery with my mom and my grandma at least three to four times a, a day. Just like minimum three times a day. To get so the bread? To get the bread, to get the hot bread that was coming out from the oven. They had, the bakery had like one bread oven that was right behind the counter. Mm. And every uh, every like 30 minutes you could see the hot bread coming out from, from the oven. It was something natural, you know, you grow up in France, you wake up, you go get your bread, you come back home, you eat breakfast with the bread. You go to the bakery for lunch, you come back home, you eat your lunch with the bread. And then in the afternoon you go get some more bread and then for dinner. So it's something normal that everyone does. So. So and having the something, the smell, having something like hot and warm from the oven right. and something fresh just back, the it's very special to me. And I want, I wanted to bring this, this spirit and, and this concept, this to, concept the to, to the bakery. So having like beautiful pastries, always something hot from the oven, uh, somewhere where it was like relax, where you could sit, enjoy your coffee and your pastry. So tell me, I'm digging into the cronut here. How did this all come about? How did you conceive it? When when did it first enter your mind? So the cornet was uh, was to challenge myself a little bit and the team. I wanted to do a donut, but I, I didn't want to do like the classical American donut. I want to bring some French spirit. I want to do like to add nice touch. So I worked on the laminated dough that is similar to croissant, but not quite exactly. I worked on the recipe for about two months and ten different. 10 different batches in order to get the right perfect consistency, something that could fry quickly, easily, without being too greasy, something that where the layers will, will not slide off, something that you could feel with a cream and uh, still have this nice moist so texture. So it's deep fried? It's deep fried, yes. Mm. You know, taste me a bit like a crawler, not a cakey crawler, yeah, that's a but a flaky crawler. Yeah. It's really so addictive. The, so the texture <laughs> is very unique. We are which we we are very seasonal with it. We change the flavor very often. Every month we have a new flavor. The first month was vanilla and rose. The second month was lemon and maple, and for this month, blackberry and lime. Mm. So, but it's not quite a croissant. It is. It is not a croissant. It's very no. similar. The texture it's a, is similar. It's not as much butter as a 
dollars. No, there's 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 less. Much less. Mm-hmm. Much less. And it's uh, it's shaped like a donut. It's shaped like a donut. It's glazed like a it's donut. It's glazed and you put like a, a little donut. topping on top. Why do you think people went so crazy over it? It's still like hard for me to say why people went crazy for it. I really thought it was going to be a new addition to the menu, a nice something nice that people will like and, and recognize. And I think that's it's one of the, the part where people really love it. We had a, uh, a mention on Grab Street, uh, which is a blog, and people like caught it. They, they start talking about it, and uh, in a, just in a time frame of like a day, mm-hmm. they had in a, um, they had over 140,000 people that opened this link, and they had an increase of 300% of traffic on their website. Oh. So they call us and they were like, they were like, you know, you should you should tell Dominic to make a few more for tomorrow. Like <laughs> a lot of people look at it and you guys should be busy. And the next day we had like twenty people waiting outside, and I was like, oh, this this it's a lot of people this morning before we open before we even open the doors. Um, we saw that in like twenty five minutes. We had like fifty, and then the third day there were like over a hundred people, and I was like, wow, what's going on? And it went it went viral in the space of like a day and everyone was talking about it everyone wants to see it I think the the name is fun it's something like yeah. unusual uh-huh. um, I think the the idea people can can definitely see it they can picture it they can see what, what it would taste like and it's it's really good and people it, it is really it. good <laughs> it's really good so um, what's your what's the future for the Chrono? The future for the Cornet, I am not sure exactly. I think it's a good product that I'm going to keep doing. Have you gotten a lot of offers to open franchises? Yes, I've had a lot, of, a lot of people approaching me and asking me to open franchise. But like everything I've done in my life, it's very important for me to take each step at a time and to have like a strong idea of what I want to do and how I want to expand mm-hmm. and keep the very high standard that I set at the bakery. And to have you know good quality product and give a good experience to my customers. Mm-hmm. Did someone try to steal the name? Some people have um, have like uh, used the same name. Actually, we've trademarked the name Conat. Good, I'm glad to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've we've tra- now, trademarked the name Conat. It was. Um, did you do that before, or did, did you do it after the New did, York, uh, the Grub Street article? We did before. Okay. I was actually um, you, uh, with my uh, lawyers. My lawyers were. Uh, Incorporating the, the trademark, they were doing a trademark for Dominican Cell Bakery, uh-huh. and they came and they were like, you know, maybe this is a good product. Like, it, it sounds very fun. Maybe it's going to be very popular. I can like trademark it for you. I was like, okay, why not? And um, that was a smart. Move. That, was, that was that was a good one. Uh, a lot of things that people don't, uh, chefs don't know. It's that a trademark is not um, to avoid everyone to to make the the to make a copy or to make like an inspired desserts. It, a, a trademark is really to protect our product and make sure that other people are people not making ex- exactly making the ones. same product and thinking that we are affiliated to this. Right. So um, there's a lot of you know I'm not the first one to do to fry croissant dough. I'm not the first one um, to like do something like innovative. But the the, the name trademark is is protected and uh, I, I don't want people to get confused with what's out there. Our product is, is special. It's very, it's very, very special. Um, well, 
you know what? We've run out of time, but I'm glad I got to eat the grown-up before before we did. I, I can't thank you enough. I can't wait to get over there. And, thank you. Uh, Please come see. I didn't realize you had sandwiches and lunch. Yeah, we're sandwiches, soup, salad. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> I've been speaking to Dominique Ansel of Dominique Ansel Bakery, which is located. What's your address? It's 189 Spring Street. 189 Spring Street between... Between Sullivan and Thompson. Oh, between Sullivan. It's such a hot neighborhood. It is. It is very nice. Very, very beautiful neighborhood. Yeah, great neighborhood. And you have the little garden in the back. Exactly. Which is even better. Well, thanks for coming today. Thank you for having me. And um, this is Chef's Story, Dorothy Can Hamilton, thanking our producers, Jack Inslee and Robin Cohen. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.